It didn't take much more than a bottle and two chairs to make a speakeasy. This is what Daniel Okrent said in his book, Last Call, The Rise and Fall of Prohibition. Today, join us for some stories. Get your own bottle, glass, mug, and relax. This is Speak Easily, and I'm your host, Krista Stoffer. I'm very happy to be here. Yes, good to, and, this, good to meet you. and you are Jack Park. I'm Jack Park. I'm Jack Park. Yep. I'm so excited. Ben Ben introduced you as as a name. Like, we got to get him on. We want to hear yeah. his story. Well, thank you. And I'm, I'm happy to be here. Well, thank I'm you. lucky. I've worked with Jack a, a bunch of times yeah. on TV commercials and that sort of thing, and, it, and I've always had a, a hell of a lot of fun working with him. <laughs> right. And and so you're very creative. Those, very yeah. creative. And thank you. That that's very yeah. kind. But like, what's always fascinated me is like your. Uh, what I call your superpower, which is your, your, your ability to recall the dates and the stats of, of all the, the things you know. So it's, You uh, need a cape. Yeah. A superhero yeah. cape. <laughs> He's wearing one right now, you just can't see it. So, Jack, you, are you from Columbus? Yeah, I grew up in a little town almost an hour south of here, right south of Buckeye Lake, New Lexington. New Lexington. And, is there an old Lexington? Uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I know that's a good question. Uh, there's a Lexington yeah, up right. by Mansfield, yeah. but I don't. Yeah. I don't think oh, there's yeah. an old Lexington. Not that I know of. They anyway, don't name many cities no. old anymore. But it's a too. town of about uh, six thousand people. That's okay. where I grew up, and okay. uh, and um, so uh, I'm an only child. Okay. Uh, my mother and dad, of course, are gone now, and yeah. everything like that. So I don't really have any relatives yeah. back there or anything like that. But okay. I do go back occasionally to visit, and Has so it forth. A lot? And it was a great place to grow up. It really was. Why is that? Well, uh, everything seemed so real and maybe a little bit more slower paced. Maybe yeah. it was because of that time of life and everything right. like that. Right. Um, I, uh, the thing that has dominated my life uh, probably since I was a child is uh, athletics. Mm-hmm. I was very fortunate to play athletics at New Lexington High School. It's a small okay. high school. I could what play football play? and basketball there. Oh, you did both? And uh, both. Uh, <laughs> in fact, seasons. our school was so small, if you didn't play both sports, you might not have enough uh, players to have a team. Okay. Not quite, but right. it was almost that small. <laughs> But uh, at, uh, being able to play football and basketball there is something I probably could not have done at a much a larger school. city school yeah. uh, because, of the you know, basically our graduating class was less than 100. Oh my so it's a great place to grow up, okay. and uh, I look back Farm fondly. Farm town? Would you, I mean, uh, is it Yeah, there's farming, farming there. there a lot of the kids I went to high school with, some of their uh, their parents worked in uh, in the coal fields there, the coal mines, Sunny Hill Coal Company. Oh, my gosh. There were okay. a couple of manufacturing plants, small manufacturing plants mm-hmm. in the city that a lot of them worked at. And okay. uh, unfortunately, a lot of those businesses are gone now, yeah. and the city is... Uh, uh, not quite as vibrant as it used to be yeah. uh, there, but uh, so it was a variety, of, variety of uh, businesses really. Okay, so you played sports in high school. Yep. Yep. that's awesome. One of the nicest things that ever happened to me, really, it was. Uh, it's been two years now. Uh, it took quite a while, but I was inducted into the uh, high school's athletic hall of fame. Nice for playing football and basketball there. Okay. I, I didn't even think they remembered me really <laughs> there. But uh, looking back on those days, uh, it was a, a real thrill. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, it's a small high school. Yeah. But uh, it means a lot to me. Division three? Today, it would probably, at that time, we had two divisions. They were called A and B, and we were a B school, probably one of the smaller B schools. Today, I would guess it would fall with the six or seven divisions. It probably would be like a division five, something like that. Yeah, Yeah. one of the smaller ones. Do they go the uh, the divisions? You're speaking to an actor here. Sports is something I have to learn. Yeah. 
do the divisions go by size? Is that how they number of boys? Okay. Number of boys in the school that okay. can play athletics in your four school in your four grades. Okay. And the dividing line, I think it used to be 150. I'm not sure what mm-hmm. it is today. Okay. Very good. Mm-hmm. So the you're an inductee into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it was fun. When did they do that? It was uh, in the fall of 2017. Just been oh, just uh, recently. Then. Just a couple of years ago. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh huh. Wow. Yeah. So after high school then, what did you what did you do? Well, uh, I went to Ohio State University for my undergraduate degree. To the Ohio uh, State. Yeah, great. <laughs> my dad uh, was a graduate of the Ohio State University, and mm-hmm. uh, I have quite a love of history. My mother graduated from Ohio University okay. and was a high school history teacher. Very good. And then uh, when they got married, uh, they got married a little bit later in life. My dad mm-hmm. was 37. My mother was 35. They'd never been married before. Yeah. Uh, and I'm an only child. Mm-hmm. Maybe when they saw what happened, they were gonna, <laughs> not going to do this again. You, know, you, know, something you like just that. say I was perfection. I was just perfection there. <laughs> but uh, I learned an awful lot about the love of history from my mother. She okay. was a, taught American history. Then when my dad's business uh, got going pretty good, she mm-hmm. did leave the teaching field and worked with him in the business and everything what like that. What business did they have? Uh, he was in the poultry business. He had an associate hatchery for DeKalb Agricultural Association okay. out of DeKalb, Illinois. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, but my dad apparently was a, an excellent athlete in high school, okay. and he loved sports. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, I was very fortunate that uh, we got season tickets when I was nine years old. And oh we gosh. got started going to the Ohio State football games. Wow. And uh, okay. that's kind of where my love of the Buckeyes, yeah. I think, started and everything like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you went to Ohio State for history then? Yeah. Well, I, actually, I majored in accounting. In accounting. I majored okay. in accounting <laughs> at, at Ohio State. Yeah. And uh, then I, after Ohio State, I went to the University of Pittsburgh okay. and got my MBA there. And I did okay. that at night while I was working with the Westinghouse Electric Corporation. So it was oh pretty gosh. busy time. Yeah. Uh, I cherish my uh, education at Pitt. I mean, yeah. it really helped me quite a bit. Mm-hmm. The people I met there, some of the instructors that I had there, uh, one particularly a, a professor named name of Dr. James Wilson. I learned mm-hmm. a concept from him called the three-circle insight to make business decisions. Is this something okay. you really want to do? Yeah. Uh, do you have the skills and abilities to do it, and uh-huh. can you get the skills and abilities? And thirdly, is there in the market for that? Okay. And that three-circle insight has helped me tremendously in my business career yeah. for many, many years ago. So okay. I'm deeply indebted to Ohio State, of course, but I'm really deeply indebted mm-hmm. to the MBA program at the University of Pittsburgh. Yeah. And I still go back for some uh, uh, functions, maybe once or two, mm-hmm. twice. I'll be going back this spring. Uh, I've kind of lost contact with most of the people I went to graduate school yeah. with now, a couple of them I keep in contact with. They both are in Florida now. Okay. Uh, but it's a good feeling to go back to Pittsburgh. Oh, it really absolutely. is. Yeah. And not too far from home. Not too far, about 180 <laughs> miles, something yeah. like that. Not, not bad at all. So did you play sports then at Ohio State? No. Okay. Well, I played inter-fraternity uh, sports. Yeah. I mean, our, our uh, the fraternity system had a pretty big uh, touch football and okay. basketball. Yeah. And I played on all those. Okay. Uh, I played them all four years of intramural sports at Ohio yeah. State, but nothing at the varsity level. Okay. Yeah. But you stayed in contact with sports oh, through Ohio sure. State. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. What fraternity yeah. were you in? I was in Sigma Pi fraternity. We were at 48 East 15th Avenue. We had the best spot on campus right there. You know, it wasn't very good. You could over, almost oversleep and still just to go down to yeah. 15th and high, you're on campus there. Yeah. You said so, almost uh, oversleep, which means you probably yeah. did oversleep. <laughs> there, yeah, yeah. I remember Greek life. But, uh, <laughs> pretty convenient location yeah, for the bars, yeah. too. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Those were great days, and I yeah. do keep in touch with a lot of my uh, fraternity brothers yet today, and 
should mm -hmm. keep in touch with more of them. Uh, yeah. One in particular, Jerry Pausch is his name, and yeah. we were fraternity brothers, and he comes to all the football games, and I usually see him every Saturday morning. He comes to my oh, radio cool. interview uh, at 97.1 The Fan. Yeah. So uh, that's a friendship we've maintained over oh, the years. Cool. And some more of them have been more just uh, email and Christmas cards yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Is, so he lives here in town? Yeah, Jerry lives actually in Wilmington, Ohio. Okay, uh -huh. not too far. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay, so you get your MBA, mm -hmm. and then what, what did you do? Well, I went to work for the Westinghouse Electric Corporation okay. in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. at, at that time, Westinghouse was one of the 10 biggest companies in the Fortune 500. They were actually oh, in the okay. top 10. They were a huge company at that time. And, what uh, year was that? Part, yeah. When did you? What year did you? Get when your I came idea? out, of there was to be in 1972. Okay. And I came back, and uh, interestingly, uh, after working with uh, Westinghouse two years in Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. uh, they transferred me to of all places, uh, Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> and uh, I, had met, I had met my wife in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. uh, Sue okay. was a uh, in undergraduate school at Carnegie Mellon when oh, I was okay. in graduate school yeah. at Pitt. That's where we met. Okay. And uh, so getting transferred back to Columbus was a real coincidence, basically, yeah. here. And I've changed jobs a couple of times since then and, of course, started my own business here some years ago and so forth there. So it's just a real coincidence to get back mm -hmm. into uh, Columbus. Yeah. Had that transfer not happened, I probably wouldn't be involved mm -hmm. with the Ohio State football program. I mean, yeah. it was simply just something that happened after that. I didn't come back here because of that. Right. I was a huge fan. Uh, we would come back on the weekends, mm -hmm. uh, drive from Pittsburgh to Columbus yeah. and for most of the home games. And right. uh, when I was, you know, in school there, yeah. I should have been studying probably more yeah. than doing that. I think uh, you, I think you turned out okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I also became a big Pitt Panther fan too. I okay. would go to the Pitt games yeah. on Saturdays that they were home, and Ohio State was maybe on the road. Huh. And uh, maybe the greatest player I ever saw was Tony Dorsett. Okay. Tailback at the University of Pittsburgh, 1976 national championship team. Wow. Uh, just a great great player and mm. of course with Archie he won the Heisman in 76 mm -hmm. after Archie had won it in 74 and 75 yeah. and wow. uh, so, so those were great uh, great years at Pitt Stadium the quarterback out of the Youngstown Ohio by the name of Matt Cavanaugh it was just tremendous and a lot of people who follow pro football today of course are familiar he's still an assistant coach in the National Football League really? so wow. yeah you had a lot of good athletes oh very area. good yeah yeah <laughs> good ones there right yeah very good so you end up in Columbus right and how did you get into everything that you that you are now? Well, strictly by accident. <laughs> okay. It's interesting. Uh, uh, I do a lot of training for organizations, and I, my training today is mostly just leadership training. We call it the Leadership Secrets of Football Master Coaches. A few years ago, I had about four programs I did, one of which was how to develop a business plan. Yeah. There's so many companies don't have a business plan. Mm. They just kind of run it by the seat of their pants. Mm. And uh, the strategic plan is such a big part of the business business planning. Yeah. And so I stressed that and, 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 and had a lot of success basically teaching this course on how to develop a business plan. Now I say that because what I've now done football-wise, I had no plan at all to do that. <laughs> it just simply happened. There just was happened. no plan. Now I got a plan together after I got into it. Yeah. But it's an <coughs> interesting thing. Uh, February, of course, I think it's the second week of February is Boy Scout week. Hmm. And usually in each city, there's a dinner, uh, maybe a Thursday night dinner, where they honor all the Eagle Scouts. Okay. In other words, Boy yeah. Scouts have become Eagle Scouts within the last year. Okay. And our company, Westinghouse, the plan I was at there, always sponsored one. Okay. And the general manager would go to be with that Boy Scout and, mm -hmm. of course, probably contribute to the funds, the funds right. to have the dinner that night. 
About three o'clock that afternoon, uh, Gil Diekman, who was our general manager, came down to my office and said, I can't go to this Boy Scout dinner tonight. I've got something that's come up, but I see that the speaker is the sports information guy at WBNS Radio. <laughs> His name is John Gordon. And I think you would you like to go and represent our company at this dinner tonight? And you can hear John. So I said, sure. So I, I called my wife and I said, I'm not coming home for dinner tonight. I'm going to go to, to yeah. Boise. This was like three or four hours before the dinner. Wow. So I end up at the same table with John. And we talk, and he says, boy, you have a real interest in Ohio State football, don't you? And I said, yes. And he said, well, let me tell you, this is something that was new at that time. He says, I am starting a sports talk show on our station this fall. Oh, my god! So if you give me your card, he says, I'll call you. You can come in and be a guest. Huh. And so how many people would really do that right. later on? You know, right. This is February. Well, that's September. I got a call from him huh. and come in and be a guest on Sports Talk. Now, kind of an interesting thing, between the time he made that call and two weeks later, John left the station. And a substitute by the name of Ed Littler was okay. there. Mm. Now, here was the schedule that night. It was the 13th of September, <laughs> a Thursday night. And the Clippers at that time, WBNS uh, was that's before the station became known yeah. as ninety-seven point one. Okay, they carried the Clippers games, and the Clippers mm. were in the playoffs. Mm. So Ed called me and he said he didn't know me from Adam. He didn't know I'd never been on the radio before <laughs> or anything like this. He said I'd like you to come down. You're the guest. He says we're going to go on the air like at seven oh five right mm -hmm. after the news, and we're going to be on for about thirty minutes. And then the station is going to go and carry the Clippers games. So you come down, we can talk about Ohio State football for about 30 minutes. Well, that night we had a torrential rain, and the game was rained out. Oh. And Ed, he's just substituting until they can bring in the new right. sports director. Right. So he didn't have anything planned. So when I got there, he said, uh, "Can you see, otherwise sports talk is four hours, 7 oh to 11 gosh. at that time. <laughs> So when I got there about 7, a little bit before 7, he says, can you stay to 8 o'clock? And yeah. I said, yeah, I can stay to 8 o'clock. And never been on the radio before now. Now, this is a night, it's heavy rain, a lot of people are home, yeah. Yeah. and they start calling in with questions on Ohio State football history. And I was kind of able to answer them. Right. And so when it came to 8 o'clock, at the 8 o'clock news, uh, he says, can you stay one more hour? And I said, sure, I can stay one more hour. <laughs> At 9 o'clock, he said, can you stay one oh more gosh. hour? And I was there three hours that Were night. You really? Yeah, oh yeah, talking there. Uh, the next Tuesday, I, I think. You, you said you kind of answered their question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know it's yeah, yeah. completely. It was a long time ago. Yeah. You completely you, you answered their question. You definitely yeah. answered their question. Wow. So. But uh, the next week, uh, I got a call from their program director, uh -huh. who was a man, uh, Gary Parks was his name. Now, okay. there's no S on my name. Yeah. Yeah. There is an S on his name. Okay. And I didn't know who Gary was, but he says, I was at home Thursday night listening to your show, listening to you beyond with Ed. Mm -hmm. He said, we'd like you to start doing some work for the station if you'd like to get into this at all. Yeah. And I said, sure. Okay. And uh, they paid me a lot that first year. Nice. $250. Now, that's not per game. That's yeah. for the whole season. Okay. I didn't even know you got paid for something like this. You know that? Well, so I started doing it. little things on Saturdays, mm -hmm. and it just kind of grew from there. But uh, what year was that? Uh, this was 1979. Okay. 1979, Earl Bruce's first year. Oh my God. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, soon after there. So uh, 
it just happened basically and i've often told people and uh, it's been mentioned to me if it hadn't rained that night you probably wouldn't have That's who amazing. knows what would have happened <laughs> or if gil deekman had decided that he could go to that dinner yeah this would never have happened that's uh, amazing yeah wow uh, yeah. so so you, you just ended up with a radio career <laughs> well it ended up uh and then i started creating stories and about the third year they said let's do a daily commentary okay we're going to call it the the buckeye flashback with jack mm -hmm. park and okay. uh, the first years it was sponsored a lot of those were sponsored some of those first years by bob evans so roger okay. williams was the president of bob evans at that time we mm -hmm. became very good friends and mm -hmm. he sponsored a lot of my uh radio commentaries yeah. And so I would put them together, and I'd go in, and the producer's still there, his name is Bob Taylor, okay. and I'd go in usually at lunchtime, because I've got a full-time job yet yeah. with uh, yeah. you know, Westinghouse and so forth, I would go in at maybe at lunchtime one day a week, and about maybe Tuesday or Wednesday, and record up the next week's six features. Oh now, what I did was historical, so uh -huh. we didn't have to wait to see what the score of this Saturday's game was before we could do the next week's. You right. know, sometimes it right. all depends on what happens last Saturday. Yeah. And uh, the, you know what the toughest thing was about doing that? It wasn't so much writing them. They had to be 60 seconds. Oh, geez. And not 59, yeah. not 61. <laughs> you know what yeah. that's uh -huh. all about in this oh, business. Yeah. That was the hardest thing. And that's before you had software. Oh, yeah. Um, Bob could go longer, in and sometimes yeah. take a breath or two out. Yeah. But uh -huh. he said, I remember one time he said, boy, that was terrific, Jack. That's a great piece of work. Got one problem. It's 63 seconds. Uh -huh. <laughs> so we have to cut it over again uh -huh. and go back and take a sentence or two out, you know. Uh -huh. so I had it pretty yeah. well scripted out, yeah. and it was all just radio. There was no TV with or anything like that. It's Bob so was a wonderful guy to work with. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, to do that. But that was the uh, that was the um, the biggest thing, and uh, and then the the, the company the uh, station then syndicated that across the state. Hmm. I had a sponsor. It was actually the Ohio Society of CPAs, oh, okay. and they sponsored that for about eight years. It was yeah. on. Uh, there's about 76 stations across the state that carry Ohio State football, huh. and I would say probably a half to two thirds of them picked that up. Okay. And so they would run it. Some of the stations would run it twice a day. It was not. You didn't. It wasn't something that had to be either in the morning or the afternoon and right. so forth like that. And it's interesting how things work in the business world. The uh, executive director of the Ohio Society of CPAs, Clark Price, retired, hmm. and guess what? My sponsor went away then. <laughs> so, yeah. so we haven't been doing that anymore, but it was a lot of fun. It was really a lot of fun to do those. Yeah. Wow. What did you – so you said it was kind of a, a flashback to – any yeah. kind of yeah. was it just football related? Was oh, it all strictly football related? Okay. Let's say we're playing uh, Illinois this week. Yeah, I might talk about the 1943 fifth quarter game, okay. which was between Ohio State and Illinois. And in that game, uh, it looked like it was going to be a 26-26 tie. On the last play of the game, Ohio State threw an incomplete pass into the end zone. Paul Brown was in his third year as head coach. And the score was 26-26. And the pass fell incomplete, and the teams just simply headed for the dressing rooms. What they didn't see was uh, an official by the name of Paul Goble had spotted an Illinois defensive lineman offside on that play. The, the player actually lined up offside, and he threw a flag. But nobody saw nobody the flag, saw not even most of the other officials. So after the players had left the field, he got the officials together, and he said, you know, so-and-so yeah. was offside on that play. And, of course, a game cannot end on a defensive uh -huh. penalty. So what they did, about 15 minutes after they'd left oh, the geez. field, they brought Run those back teams in. back onto the field. And they said, Ohio State, you can run one more play. 
So Paul Brown did. He took a, a freshman place kicker by the name of Johnny Stungus, <laughs> and he said, I want you to try a field goal. And mm-hmm. the kid said, I've never tried a field goal in my life. And Brown says, don't worry about it. I've never w- missed one in my life. <laughs> what he didn't tell him was he never tried one either. <laughs> Paul, but Johnny Stungus kicked a uh, 33-yard field goal, oh and gosh. Ohio State ended up winning the game 29-26. to now, there's not even a picture of that field goal yeah. anywhere that I can find because all the photographers have left the sidelines. <laughs> and this is before the days of the Internet yeah. or talk radio or anything like that. Most people that went to that game didn't know that Ohio State had won until they got their Sunday morning paper. They'd because left, they'd, they'd probably, left. It was 26-26 right? and <laughs> things like that. So it's those types of stories that I would tell oh if we're gosh. playing Illinois. That would yeah. be a good one against Illinois, yeah. you know, and things like that. Now, Illinois, of course, had some great coaches, Ray Elliott. Uh, back in the f- 50s, it was just a terrific coach and beat Ohio State pretty badly in some games there. Mm-hmm. And I would talk about some of those, too, to yeah. give credit where it was. And we're playing Northwestern. Those are a little harder to come up with because yeah. that, you know, that series is so one-sided and everything yeah. like that. But unusual things that happened, the first two-point conversion ever, uh, you know, Ohio State, that was in the, in the opening game in 1958 when we beat Southern Methodist 23-20, to and Don Meredith was actually the quarterback for – for uh, Southern Methodists. Mm-hmm. So it, it's always interesting to bring those names in yeah. because years later people can identify with that name much more than they could if they went to the game that day. How do you remember all of this? I'm I not can't sure. I remember what I did yesterday. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not sure. Uh, this we, is the uh, tip Chris, of the iceberg. No, so, but Chris, yeah. we, we could be here till midnight and I wouldn't have enough time to tell you all my weaknesses. But I do have, <laughs> I think one strength is I, I apparently have a, a fairly decent photographic memory wow. and a photographic mind. And once I see something uh, I can remember it. I often go to sites of old games Mm -hmm. and just walk the field Mm. and just imagine in my own mind what happened when Vince Lombardi was coaching here all those years ago and I can kind of just recreate. It's, uh-huh. it's kind of like a kid that's imagining things when they're yeah. five years old. And I do that. I really wow. do that. Mm-hmm. And I know what happened. And once I kind of see that and, and got, got the feel of the ground and everything like that, yeah. I can remember that much more than just reading it in a book. Something. Okay. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, what's your favorite Ohio State-Michigan story? Favorite Ohio State-Michigan story? Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the Monson brothers in uh, 1949. Okay. Uh, now, they played against each other in 1950. There were two Monson brothers. Tony was the older one, uh-huh. and Bob was the younger one. They were out of Toledo, mm-hmm. uh, actually uh, uh, Waite High School um, in, in Toledo. Mm-hmm. And Tony went to Michigan, okay. and Bob went to Ohio State. They were a couple of years, less than two years apart. They were mm-hmm. born fairly close together. And uh, Ohio State in 1949... Uh, needed a win or a tie to go to the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. Now, the Rose Bowl pack, as it was called at that time, started in 1946. In other words, in 19, before 1946, the Rose Bowl committee would try to get the two best teams in the country mm-hmm. to play in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. And then starting in 46, they decided we're going to have the champion of the Big Ten mm-hmm. play the champion of what at that time was known as the Pac-8. There were okay. only eight teams in the Pacific Coast League wow. at that time. They were the two Oregon teams, the two Washington teams, in the San Francisco area, of mm-hmm. course, you have Stanford and Cal. Yeah. In the Los Angeles area, you have Southern Cal and UCLA. Mm-hmm. So that was an eight-team league. That started in 1946. In fact, Illinois was the first Big Ten team to ever play in the Rose Bowl under that arrangement. Okay. Ohio State had never done that before, but in 1949, it looked like they'd get their first chance. Yeah. And so they go to Michigan, again, needing a win or a tie. Uh-huh. 
Now, Ohio State's favored in the game, but they don't play very well in the first half, and Michigan actually leads 7-0 at halftime. I don't know if the Ohio State people are too worried yet, but yeah. with no scoring in the third quarter, now things are starting to get a little bit tense. And Ohio State gets the ball on about their own 34-yard line with about five minutes to go. Pandel Savick, who was a quarterback, will hit a long pass mm -hmm. to number 10, Ray Hamilton, a sophomore end out of Canton McKinley, and Ray will take it into about the four-yard line. Then Curly Morrison, the big Ohio State fullback, who was out of Upper Arlington High School, Curly, will get three tries and he'll finally score. It's now 7-6. to six. Oh now, gosh. there's no two-point conversion yeah, in 1949. Yeah. There's no overtime in 1949. Ohio State will probably not get the ball back. So you've got to kick that extra yeah. point to tie the game. You don't want to tie Michigan. You want to beat Michigan. Yeah. But a tie is certainly yeah. better than a loss because right. a tie will put you in the Rose Bowl. Mm -hmm. Now let's go to the two Monson brothers. They, they're playing against each other in this game. Oh my gosh. Jimmy Haig is the Ohio State place kicker, and he lines up for what is obviously the most important extra point attempt he's ever had so far at yeah. Ohio State. And now with about 97,000 people on hand at Michigan Stadium oh and the first ever television audience to really? see an Ohio State-Michigan game, wow. Jimmy Haig's kick will go up and hook to the right, and he'll miss it. And it looks like Minnesota's going to go to the Rose Bowl now because yeah. Ohio State has missed a kick. But before the teams could get off the field, they discovered there had been a flag on that play. And one of the Michigan linemen had lined up offside. Mm. So Jimmy Haig gets a second try. And this time, it's good. The game ends in a 7-7 tie. The Buckeyes go to the Rose Bowl. Mm -hmm. In fact, they'll beat California 17-14 on a late fourth-quarter field goal by Jimmy Haig okay. to have basically the first Rose Bowl ever to be decided by a kick. But let's go back to that first extra point attempt yeah. in Ann Arbor. Yeah. The Michigan lineman who lined up offside was their big center, Tony Monson. Uh -oh. His younger brother <laughs> is playing for Ohio State, oh, Bob Monson. Yeah. Because Tony, the older brother, had been offside. Bob, the younger brother, was able to go and play in the Rose Bowl, an opportunity he never otherwise would have had. Wow. And I think that's one of the great human interest cool. stories yeah. uh, in, in football, really. Wow. That uh, you had brotherly love. I think right. we call that in our book. Yeah. <laughs> Oh That's my great. goodness! Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> I'm fascinated that you that you know all of this. Well, this I've studied cool. it quite a bit. I knew yeah. Bob. Uh, if you would come into my <clears throat> my home office, <clears throat> you'll see a picture on the wall of Warren Pierce, a longtime friend who's a broadcaster at WJR Radio in <clears throat> Detroit. I interview with him every year, <clears throat> and I have I think since 1986, something like okay. that. But uh, I was able to get the two Monson brothers together on the sidelines yeah. uh, prior to one of the Ohio State-Michigan games. And he interviewed the three of us. And that's okay. the only time I ever met Tony Monson. Yeah. Now, I knew Bob. Bob at one time was president of the uh, Lucas County uh, <clears throat> chapter of the Ohio State Alumni Association. Okay. I'd spoken up there a couple times, and I got yeah. to know Bob pretty well. So I got the two of them together, and, and we did the interview. Then I had a picture taken of the four of us, the two Monson brothers, Warren Pierce and myself. And, in fact, you can see the band in the background. We're doing this live. Wow. The Michigan band is about ready to take the field for their pregame show and so forth like that. But there's never one thing. One thing I'll always remember, as soon as that interview was over and everything, I wanted to thank the Monson brothers for coming mm -hmm. down. I, I went yeah. to go get them and, and thank them, and I saw that they were going different directions. And I, I yelled to Bob and Tony, and I said, hey, I want to thank you very much and shake hands with them. And Tony said, fine, great, good to meet you. And he took off. And I said to Bob, I said, 
you, you two guys don't sit together? He says, oh, we never sit together at the Ohio State-Michigan <laughs> game. Never sit together. Oh, this wow. is like 40 years oh, after they oh, played yeah. against each other. We never sit together at the Ohio State-Michigan game. And I saw them. They were going different directions where they were wow. going to sit in the stadium that day. So uh, it's a memory I have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. In the colors, respective colors? Though? Yeah, I think so. Uh, somewhat. I'm not sure. Can't uh, remember. I have to look at the picture there. But it might have been. Yeah, it might have been. That's crazy. Great guys. Really That's great crazy. guys. Yeah. They both passed on now. Uh, Bob had a pretty good pro career with the Detroit Lions. Then he taught high school football, uh, taught in the high school systems there and coached uh, college football or coached high school football in the Toledo area for many years. Wow. I'm not sure what Tony did. Tony lived, um, when I first met him that day, I think he had come up from Florida. It may have hmm. been retired by that time. I'm not sure what yeah. he did. Wow. Yeah. So, oh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> so then you, you continued on the radio then commentary what what sort of role did you have then? well mostly uh we at one time we did a thing called stump jack park and people would line up before <laughs> I can't the game it would no and they would do about six or eight of them and mm-hmm. this was live and they oh, had a trivia question that they could stump me i think they got a 25 dollar gift certificate from bob evans restaurants and a lot of them did yeah. a lot of them were kind of minutia questions they wanted the gift certificate oh, yeah. you know yeah. we did that and then that got kind of old so yeah. now i just do interviews with uh, with the people there i'm on the Air now with uh, Anthony Rothman and the uh, Beanie Wells and Joshua Perry this past year. Hmm. Had been Bobby Carpenter, and I love the relationship. I'm actually on the air now with former Ohio State football players that wow. were not even born when I started to work for 97.1 <laughs> The Fan. Yeah, they're 23, oh Joshua Perry, I think, like 23, 24 years old. Wow. Very, very fine young man, yeah. and so forth like that. So we do that every Saturday. We do it out in front of. Uh, on the stadium side of St. John Arena. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually, I went to Indianapolis. We did it live from Indianapolis for the uh, the Big Ten title game. And then okay. we did it live at the Rose Bowl. That was kind of fun to that do that cool. show live from right outside the Rose Bowl yeah. here just about three weeks ago. Wow. That's amazing. So you probably met all the coaches then. Pretty well, pretty okay. well. I uh, did not know Woody Hayes real well. I had interviewed Woody uh, I think it was five times I had contact with him. I would say probably three or four of them were interviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't. We were real close friends. I probably. Yeah. I think he recognized me. And how you doing? Yeah. But I probably had to remind him what my name was. <laughs> so we weren't. You know. I mean, I did not really meet him until after he was no longer coaching. Yeah. And Coach Hayes lived nine years after his last season as head coach. Mm-hmm. His last yeah. season was '78. And he passed away in March of 1997. Okay. And I would go in for, to interview him on different games. <clears throat> uh, and as you could maybe well imagine, guess who took over the interview? <laughs> Wasn't me. <laughs> we hardly ever got to any of my football questions. But he always wanted to know, Hayes would have the ability to say, what's going on in your life? You're a CPA, what's going on? And finances and all these different types of things. And yeah. what do you think about the economy and all these types of things? And then uh, with my mother being a high school history teacher, uh, I sometimes might mention that to him. Uh, there's no question in my mind uh, that Woody Hayes's uh, probably the most favorite thing in his life was serving his country during World War II. Wow. He, he captained that. the uh, Reinhardt in the Pacific during World War II. Okay. And they could have been in real trouble had, you know, had it not been for basically uh, the two bombs being uh, dropped on Japan in August of 1945 because the Reinhardt was headed there and they were going to be in battle and everything like okay. that. But his serving his country with the Navy 
it always came up in these speeches. Mm. He was one of the greatest Americans I think we've ever had. Wow. And I don't know that I've ever knew anybody, uh, even though we were not close friends, mm -hmm. I don't think I ever knew anybody that loved this country any more than he did. Wow. And he could tell you the history of the United States almost mm. more than he could tell you the history of the Ohio State Michigan series. Yeah. He loved it. He went to Harvard uh, to really? lecture at that time on it, and wow. he was a big proponent of Emerson's work. And I remember he went to Harvard one time. They invited him there to do some lectures on Emerson, basically, mm -hmm. Ralph Waldo Emerson. So wow. he's a very, very well-read well gentleman yeah. and uh, very intelligent, yeah. uh, always kept in touch with these players. Uh, it could be pretty demanding. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. there's, uh, I can remember a, a conversation I had some years ago with Paul Warfield, the great wide receiver, you know, here at Ohio State, out of Warren Harding High School, and then mm. all those great years later with the Browns and the Miami Dolphins under mm. Don Shula. <clears throat> and Paul and I, this might have been the first time I ever spoke at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, mm. first or second one. It's been some years ago. And Paul and I were on the program together. Mm. And I had never met Paul before, and uh, but he found out what I did, and I lived in Columbus, and he says, yeah. do you see Woody Hayes occasionally? And I said, yeah, I might see him occasionally. He mm -hmm. says, and with a real de strong demeanor, he said, you tell Woody I'm coming back this winter quarter, and I'm going to take those other three classes so I can graduate oh, and tell wow. him to get off my back. <laughs> and Woody would wow. call people. Maybe they were out of college. Mm -hmm. you know, Maybe they'd played their last football game 15, 20 years ago, but they still needed so many credits to graduate, and they just didn't do it. Really? And he would make he would them do it. Them. Yeah, and Paul told me one time that he called him and said, I want you here in my office tomorrow morning or something like this. We're going over and register. Be here at 8 o'clock, and oh, wow. that was it. It was just, you know, <laughs> so he really, That's he really a, kept after yeah. him uh, the years ahead. And so many today are so thankful mm. that he did that for him. Yeah. That's probably the best thing he did for him. Oh. More important than being their football coach, yeah. really. That's, That's what Hayes did yeah. for him there. Yeah. That's great, great guy. Um, Archie told me a story one time. Archie Griffin, they, uh, there were some of the players that had taken a, 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 an elective course one spring on oceanography. And they thought it looked like an easy Something course. Easy, yeah. So that's why they took it. Well, it wasn't. And it's, <laughs> it's about halfway through the course, and they're not doing very well. Yeah. And so Hayes went to the library and got a couple books on oceanography and did a lot of study on them on Friday night and brought them into his office on Saturday. And they spent most of the day Saturday with him learning a lot of the things that they should have learned already in this course so oh that they gosh. could pass the course and everything like that. But that's the type of guy he wow. was. Yeah. I mean, he really was. Uh, I, I, don't, I mean, I can't think, I mean, and that's not a disparaging remark about any current coaching or anything like that, but I mean, I don't, I don't think you'd ever hear a story like that from no. modern it happen, coaches. No. No. It just no. wouldn't happen. I think it's partly because of the, climate of how sports has changed yeah. since mm -hmm. then. Well, college football has changed tremendously. A lot of it for the good, and yeah. I'm not sure it's all for the good, though. Yeah. Yeah. But just the whole thing, we used to have a nine-game schedule. Mm -hmm. It started the last Saturday of September. Mm -hmm. You could go to the Rose Bowl every other year. Okay. Because of when the Rose Bowl agreement with the with the Rose Bowl committee and the Big Ten and the mm -hmm. Pac Ten as it got to be uh, after the Pac Eight uh, it became the Pac Ten when Arizona and Arizona State joined the, mm -hmm. the conference in 1977, and uh, you could go to the uh, Rose Bowl only every other year. 
It was called the no repeat rule. Really? So like in 1954 and 55, Ohio State won back-to-back outright Big Ten titles. Yeah. Uh, we went to the Rose Bowl at the end of the 54 season, defeated Southern Cal, and mm-hmm. were undefeated national champions. Yeah. In 55, the next year, Hopalong Casty's final year, he wins the Heisman Trophy. Ohio State again has an undefeated conference record. Yeah. But they couldn't go to the Rose Bowl, and second place Michigan State got to go instead, and they Jeez. won. The game's there. Yeah. So, what I'm leading up to is over those two years, the most games you could play was 19. Mm-hmm. You couldn't go to a bowl game other than the Rose Bowl. In yeah. fact, at that time, there were only five bowl games. Okay. There was the Rose Bowl, the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, the Orange Bowl in Miami, and the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. Okay. And that was it, basically. So you either went to the Rose Bowl every other year, or that was it. Yeah. So now we play 12 regular season games. Mm-hmm. We, if, we're win the, if we win our division, we play in the Big Ten title game. Mm-hmm. If you're good enough to be one of the top four teams in the country and can win the first game, you'll play a second game for the national title. You can play 15 games in one season, yeah. whereas it used to be you could only play a maximum of 19 in two seasons. That's been the biggest change. Okay. And this, I think, the coaching staffs are much bigger. Ryan Day has yeah. just assembled a, a 10 uh, man uh, coaching staff, 10 assistant coaches. Oh, we used to have five or six. Yeah. Uh, the squads used to be 50 to 60 players. Now we've got 100 and some. I mean, Gee, a lot really? of players wear the same number. Because yeah. oh, wow. you only have 99 numbers. So. Right. Oh, that's <laughs> and true. some of those have been retired. <laughs> yeah. So you can actually see an offensive player with number 20, and then yeah. the offense comes off the field, and there's a defensive player wearing number 22. That gives Paul Keels some problems. He's up yeah, there yeah. calling the games, you know. Some players are wearing duplicate <laughs> numbers. Where now. are you? And, of course, the money that's involved with it now yeah. Is, yeah. was unheard of. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, we yeah. used to, kid, we'd say uh, when they television really dictates what the times you're going to play your games. Yeah. In fact, they're doing something now that I'm opposed to, and that is each season the Big Ten is now going to play about six games on Friday nights instead of Saturdays. Really? And, yeah, and that's another revenue producer, right, oh. is yeah. what it looks like to me. They're competing with high school football on right. Friday nights, that's and I'm not... really opposed to that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll probably go to the game because yeah. that's high school football is uh, a staple. I mean, yeah. it's like, I but mean, that's it's where they come from. Yeah. Where else yeah. would yeah. they be? Yeah. I mean, they yeah. yeah. You have to yeah. play in high school. <laughs> but you take like in the state of Ohio, what high school football means to places like well, Canton Schools, Maslin, yeah. my yeah. little school in New yeah. Lexington. Yeah. That's still yeah. a big yeah. thing to go to the high school football game on yeah. Friday nights, and so that's happened a little bit. Uh, the television money basically is really good yeah. uh, because it, Ohio State has 36 varsity sports. Gene Smith, as the director of uh-huh. athletics, has one of the most responsible jobs you could ever imagine to be the director of athletics for 36 varsity sports. It takes a lot of money to do that because yeah. most of those sports are non-revenue sports. Right. I mean, you can just go watch the mm-hmm. track team play, or yeah. I think baseball, they maybe charge $5 now to get in, something <laughs> like that. But most of them basically are non-revenue sports. Yeah. They uh, simply go out and you get the soccer games and the lacrosse games and so forth. Mm-hmm. It takes money to be able to do that, yeah. and the football program is what's able to do that. Uh, I think Ohio State is maybe the only one of a, only of, of a few, if not the only one, that actually uh, has such resources, has mm-hmm. such income from its athletic programs, yeah. mostly football, right. that it's able to do, to still have a couple uh, million dollars left over at the end of the year and put back in the university coffers. Mm-hmm. So they actually contribute money yeah. to the university. Yeah. Uh, whereas a lot of schools, the, the athletic department can't fund itself and it draws from, yeah. the, from that and so forth. So it, it's good in that way that they're able to have these other varsity sports and more 
undergraduates, you know, maybe at the, almost a thousand students at the Ohio State University, men and women, yeah. will play intercollegiate athletics. And I think that's a tremendous thing for them uh -huh. in terms of building leadership skills right. and just developing friendships Absolutely. and hard work and dedication to effort. That's what yeah. it is, yeah. basically hard work, dedication to excellence, I uh -huh. should say. Yeah. And you learn that through the world of uh, football and athletics, yeah. really. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. This is, okay, this is a hard one. Your favorite player ever with Ohio State? Archie Griffin. Okay, that was easy. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, that, that, Archie Griffin, yeah. And not because he's such a good friend. Yeah. But uh, I've been very fortunate just recently. I've been, this time I was a co-author uh -huh. of uh, what, what's been my sixth Ohio State football book. Oh, my goodness. And, um, and that's, let, let me explain the six, too. There's really four books, four mm -hmm. different books, and two of them have had second editions because okay. of success there. So yeah. technically, you can look at it as six. It's a different ISBN number for the, yeah. the, the second edition. But uh, the first one was called Ohio State Football, The Great Tradition, and came out in 1992. Okay. And Archie agreed to do the forward for it. Then when that's our encyclopedia awesome. came out, uh, uh, he basically did the introduction for it. And then mm -hmm. when the Ohio State football vault came out, uh, Jim Tressel did the foreword mm -hmm. and Archie did the afterword. Okay. And then my most recent book that I co-authored with a lady named Maureen Zapala, who's a, just a brilliant writer and very excellent friend, and actually a Notre Dame graduate for that matter, uh -oh. and a huge <laughs> football fan. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, she did something that really uh, I thought was so neat with the book. We asked the three Griffin brothers if they would jointly do the introduction. Oh, wow. Then we asked the three Second and Seven Foundation guys, Ryan Miller, Luke Fickle, and Mike Vrabel, uh -huh. if they would jointly do the foreword. So oh. we did interviews with those six people, yeah. basically, yeah. and some more with Ryan than with Luke and, and Mike because they were out of town. Uh, but basically what Maureen did then was take those interviews and write those as one person. So we've got the three Griffin brothers oh doing the introduction. Now, she didn't write it for them. Yeah. She just simply put she it on put paper it mm -hmm. and basically recorded their thoughts. And then, of course, it sent it back to them and let them tweak it and, and mm -hmm. adjust it and change it as, as it was and so forth like that. Yeah. But I thought that was really that unique cool. to be able to do yeah. that and so forth there. Yeah. So the, uh, the, our book is called Buckeye Reflections. And it's basically 300 and roughly 350 short anecdotal stories of unusual, outstanding, uh, important uh, moments in mm -hmm. Ohio State football history. Uh, an example of that is the Monson Brothers story. <laughs> Another example of that is the fifth quarter game yeah. where Johnny Stungis will kick a field goal huh. 15 minutes after the game's over and win wow. the game. And It's just chock full of stories mm -hmm. like that. Wow. So what makes Archie your, your favorite? I think... Uh, I say I say Archie like he and I are yeah, our best right, friends yeah. and we're on a first yeah. name I, I think probably uh, the way he started, he came off the bench Hmm. Uh, the second game his freshman year. He'd been in for one or two plays his first game and fumbled, okay. and that was against Iowa. Yeah. And uh, he wondered if he'd ever get back in. We know how Woody Hayes was on fumbles. Yeah. So we're playing North Carolina in the second game of the season, and things didn't go very well at all, and they blocked the punt, and they were leading, and we should have won that game pretty handily, and we did end up winning it pretty handily. But we're now in basically into late in the, in the first quarter, and... Uh, uh, Rudy Hubbard, who was the backfield coach, went to Hayes, and at that, at that going into that game that morning, Archie was listed as the fifth team tailback. Mm. And Rudy, just basically on a hunch, said, Archie Griffin has had such a great week of practice, mm. and he's really a talent coach. You ought to put him in this game and give him a shot. 
and Archie was so surprised that Hayes put him into the game, he got about halfway out to the huddle and realized he'd forgotten his helmet. <laughs> he had to go back to the bench and get his helmet. That's how much of a surprise it was. Yeah. Yeah. Before that afternoon is over, he'll rush for 239 yards, oh my gosh. which at that time was a single-game record, yeah. uh, breaking a, a record of, uh, of uh, stood in 1945 of 229 yards. Yeah. And, of course, Archie was never out of the starting lineup for the next four years. Yeah. I think yeah. the thing that about Archie was that uh, he's still the same guy today mm. than he was back then. Okay. He's very modest. Yeah. Uh, everything basically uh, comes from the other people. He always mm-hmm. gave such credit to his offensive lines. Yeah. And when Archie was here, we had some of the best offensive lines we've ever had. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that Ohio State ever had two better offensive tackles at one time than Kurt Schumacher and John Hicks. Mm-hmm. And when you're running behind those guys and Steve Myers is in the middle as a center, an All-American yeah. center, you know, he had great and he had great talent in the backfield with Cornelius Green and mm-hmm. Brian Bashnagel. And huh. the guys that kind of alternated at fullback then were Pete Johnson and Champ Henson. Mm-hmm. And they were great, great football players. And the defense was great. I mean, yeah. uh, the defensive team in 1973, his sophomore year, only gave up 43 points in the entire regular season. Mm-hmm. We gave up 49 points to Purdue this past year in one game. <laughs> yeah. You know, now the game has changed too. Yeah. yeah. But the defense was just so strong, mm. and if you have a tremendous defense like that, there was one period of time there that Ohio State gave up one touchdown in five games. There were four wow. shutouts, and we were over at Indiana, and I think it was 37 to nothing or something, and they scored on a, a late. Flew, uh, kind of a flea flicker play, and they yeah. scored against our third team. And Coach Hayes was upset then. He wanted another <laughs> shutout, you know. Uh, Archie had such great people behind him in addition yeah. to the coaching, and that's what really made it work, basically. Wow. I'm, I'm literally sitting here with, like, jaw open at <laughs> just the, the amount of names that are coming yeah. out. It's amazing. The names, the dates, the specifics, yes. everything like that. I mean, literally, well, I don't know what subject. I did. Yeah, it's a well, great it subject. It's a great subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never forget, it's, uh, it's been a few years ago, I was speaking to the uh, downtown Rotary Club in Cleveland. And the gentleman came up afterwards and said he'd been an Ohio State fan and all this and really enjoyed mm-hmm. my talk and thank you very much and all this. And then he said something to me that I'll never forget. He said, you couldn't be Jack Park if you'd gone to Northwestern. And I thought about that. You know, you think about that. I I probably could have said, yeah, I could be Jack Park. I just wouldn't be talking about Northwestern football, you know, because it's the subject that makes it so interesting. Not the guy that's delivering it. I'm simply the messenger. It's a subject that's just been... Uh, packed full of such great yeah. greatness uh, throughout wow. the entire uh, go yeah. clear back to day one, really. Yeah. And, and you know what? I was actually talking to Maureen uh, a few months ago during the season, and she actually let me in on another one of your superpowers. What <laughs> day of the week was October 10th, 1979? October 10th of 1979, a Wednesday. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Is that right? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I can look, look it up. right now. But <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Let me. Yeah. Is it? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that your birthday? Yeah, yeah that's my birthday. Okay, okay, how about August 12th, 1980? August 12th of 1980. Okay, let's see. August 12th of 1980. I believe it was a Tuesday. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Is that right? Yep, how do you correct. how do you come up with like how? Is it a, is it what like is a your basis? Of, that you're doing this with, no, just, uh, once just, I see calendars, I can kind of make a picture of them in my mind. Okay. And it takes me a while to sort through those calendars oh to get gosh. to the right month. That's 
That's crazy. That's but amazing. It was, was it the Tuesday? Yes. Yeah, yeah Tuesday. okay. Okay. Yeah. This is unrehearsed too, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Jack, you are amazing. So we're completely blindsided with yeah, it. Sorry. Like you wore yeah. Particular yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Jack Park's an incredible Jack, human being. You are incredible. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. and It's been a pleasure to be with you. It's been a pleasure with you. With you I like literally am uh, going to just have my yeah. jaw open the rest of well, the day. Well, it's been my pleasure. And <laughs> Working with Ben every year is a great uh, pleasure. Well, again, one of the most yes. creative guys. We've gotten so many great I've comments great about for you this year too, about the so. wearing the helmet in the car. <laughs> that, that was, was about, yeah. that was probably the best nice. one. Now, Krista, you were asking yeah. about the coaches and mm-hmm. uh, the Ohio State coaches, but uh, were very good to us, and we yeah. got to know them very much as, mm-hmm. as, as friends that helped us write our book, Buckeye right. Reflections. Yeah. And I remember when Maureen and I decided we would partner and do this book, uh, I said, well, we want to do some interviews to get new information. Mm-hmm. But that time, Jim Tressel was president at Youngstown State University. Well, I'd gotten to know Jim pretty well here. Yeah. I'd spoken to a lot of his charity events, and uh, okay. and I felt comfortable calling him and mm-hmm. saying, you know, uh, I'm going to be co-authoring a book uh, mm-hmm. with a lady that lives there in Medina, and could we come over and maybe get 30, 45 minutes of your time? We'd like to talk to you about things after football. Yeah. And I'm saying, you know, even we could take you to lunch because I know your days are busy and everything yeah. like that. And he said, sure, no problem. Let me get back with you on two or three dates. Mm-hmm. Typical Jim Trestle. I think I had an email from his administrative assistant within an hour. Oh you know gosh. what I mean? It didn't yeah. wait for another week or something sure. like that. And uh, the th- three options included a Saturday morning. <laughs> So I think I talked to Maureen. I said, what do you think? And I think she said, take the Saturday morning because there will be fewer people coming in out of his right, office. Right. Well, we took the Saturday morning. It was Saturday, January 23rd of uh, 2016. Mm. And pretty soon uh, I emailed. We take the Saturday morning. The administrative assistant emailed back and said, well, since you're coming on Saturday morning, you know, President Tressel would just like to have the two of you come to his home which is the president's office, president's mm-hmm. home there on campus, yeah. and, and he'd like you to be there about 11 o'clock. Hmm. Well, we got into Youngstown long before 11 o'clock, <laughs> let me tell you. We weren't going to yeah. be late. Right. And drove around a little bit and then kind of pulled into the driveway about one or two minutes until 11. And sure enough, as soon as we knocked on the door, there was Jim Tressel. Mm-hmm. We went in, and actually I started to think after a while, gee, I, I, I think we've used too much of this guy's time. Mm. I looked down at my watch. It was 10 minutes till 2. Mm. Oh, my and gosh. And we'd been there almost three hours. In fact, oh Ellen God. had joined us at huh. maybe the last half hour or something yeah. like that. We got such great information from him. And yeah. Maureen then, you know, we recorded the interview, and uh-huh. she wrote that up as part of our book. And a lot of the things were important in life to him after football and so forth there. But uh, to answer your question mm-hmm. on the coaches, the same way with yeah. Earl Bruce and John Cooper, huh. and the same thing with Urban Meyer. Yeah. Urban Meyer. Uh, we were never able to get Urban where both of us could be with him, but I did an interview with him, and then Maureen has had the opportunity to yeah. meet and talk with him a little bit uh, since then and everything like that. But Urban was uh, really great. He was yeah. really great. Uh, in fact, he told us a story, and I wanted to confirm this with him before we put it in our book, mm-hmm. and that is... What was a real break for you in your coaching profession mm-hmm. that got you going where you're going? Yeah. And he said, well, he said, you know, I was a graduate assistant here at Ohio State under mm-hmm. Earl Bruce. Yeah. Then I became an assistant at Illinois State. Okay. And uh, when Earl assembled his first staff at uh, Colorado State, mm-hmm. Skip Holtz was his wide receiver coach. Now, Skip Holtz, of course, is the son of Lou Holtz. Okay. And Skip is starting his journey, and he's the wide receiver coach for one year. 
And then the next year, his dad, now head coach at Notre Dame, hires Skip as his wide receiver coach. Hmm. And so uh, Earl Bruce hires Urban now to replace Skip as the wide receiver coach at Colorado State. Well, during the the crossover, the two of them spent a couple days together, and they just really connected. In other words, Urban Meyer and Lou Holtz just really connected like you do with some people, and they kept in touch, you know, over the years, Mm -hmm. the next three or four years or something like that, and I think their their families even vacationed together. That's how good of coaches they came. Uh, In 94, uh, Skip Holtz gets a head coaching job at the University of Connecticut. Mm -hmm. In 96, two years later, all of a sudden now, Lou Holtz needs another wide receiver coach at Notre Dame mm-hmm. because his wide receiver coach has gone elsewhere. Yeah. And so Skip calls him and said, Dad, you need to talk to Urban Meyer at Colorado State mm. and interview him. I think he'd be a great addition to you. Yeah. And Lou Holtz said, "Who's? I never heard of Urban Meyer. I know who I want to hire. Yeah. I'm not going to waste his time. I'm not going to waste my time. No, I'm not going to interview him. And Skip kept on it, and he wouldn't budge. He huh. says, no, I'm not doing that. Hmm. Well, about two weeks later is the uh, annual meeting of the American Football Coaches Association, which is in, that year happened to be in New Orleans. Hmm. And a lot of the assistant coaches go there, too, to kind of network and everything. And on the afternoon before the last day of the conference, Skip sees his dad, Lou Holtz, and said, hey, Dad, could we have breakfast tomorrow morning? Hmm. Uh, There's some things I want to go over with you. And Lou says, sure. So the next morning in the restaurant, Lou Holtz is sitting there, and in walks Skip, and he's got a friend with him. Mm. He says, Dad, I'd like you to meet a good friend of mine. Please meet Urban Meyer. <laughs> and they sat down. Now, you know, Lou Holtz is a guy that's always in charge. <laughs> yeah. And, man, I can only imagine what the expression was on his face. Wow. Here's what Urban told us that happened. They ordered breakfast. Mm-hmm. Skip ate his breakfast reasonably rapidly, then looked at his, clock, his watch and said, Oh, I forgot. I've got a meeting I've got to go to. So he got up and left Urban sitting there with oh Lou Holtz. Now, here's what Urban told us. He sat there, he thought, between another 45 and 60 minutes in the what turned out to be an interviewing process. The following week, Lou Holtz called him and offered him the wide receiver assistant coaching job at Notre Dame. And that was a huge step in his coaching career to then be there six years and move on for his first head coaching job at Bowling Green. But isn't that something the way that happens? That's a typical story that we have in our book, uh, Buckeye Reflections. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. That so crazy. Isn't that great, Corey? Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I'd have never put that in a book without talking about it with yeah. Urban. Yeah. Because yeah. I'd heard it. Yeah. But that's too much to yeah. to put in there if it yeah. wasn't true. That's yeah, so cool. Absolutely. He verified it word for word and even yeah. gave us a couple of other that's angles nice. on the thing. Oh, there. wow. So, that's <laughs> so cool. Krista, yeah. it's nice to meet nice you. To I meet hope you to too. meet you again sometime. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>